1: Welcome back to another edition of the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. I am Blair Angulo. Thank you so much for tuning in. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe if you leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. And leave a recruiting question. You've got a chance to have that recruiting question answered on an upcoming mailbag episode by our team of analysts, including our guest today, National Recruiting Analyst,
0: Greg Biggins. Happy belated birthday, Greg. Blair, thank you very much. The big, uh, the big three, nine getting up there. Is wow. there a famous
1: athlete with that number? I'm trying to 39? think, you know, cause everyone thinks, you know, when they, when they start to hit a certain age, you start to think of a player that had that year or, or wore that Jersey, you know? So, so if you turn 23, they call that your, your Jordan year, right? That's kind of cool. If you turn 32, you, they call that your magic year. Uh,
0: I can't think of a thirty-nine out there. Maybe a oh, race car driver. I was actually lying to to save a little face. I'm actually I actually just turned forty-nine. I don't know about a, a, a lot of famous forty-nines, but I know next year when I hit that big five-zero, I'm sure that's going to be pretty monumental in the Biggins household. We might we might have to go big on that on that birthday. Yeah, that
1: might be your Mookie Betts year. I think the fifty,
0: a big five-zero. My second favorite Dodger behind the great Justin Turner. We have the rest of them, but I like those two guys.
1: Well, we're here to talk college football recruiting, if if you didn't know. And the big topic that we want to lead off with is the Division One Council extending the dead period through all sports until the end of May at the earliest. Now, this has been going on uh, since last spring. It's essentially going to be a full calendar year of no in-person contact, no in-person evaluations, no in-person visits where they're able to meet face-to-face the recruits with, with coaches. What's your immediate reaction to that news and, and what this could mean for the class of 2022?
0: My first reaction is disappointment. I think this is, I'm trying to watch my words very, very carefully. I just, I think there's so much value in doing this in a healthy, safe way. Allow the kids to visit. They're already visiting the campus, right? They're already there doing what we call an academic visit. So you're not seeing the football facilities or, or doing that tour, but they're already on campus. I just don't see the danger in just allowing these guys to to take still unofficials. You don't have to, you know, make it official visits yet, but just allow there's these unofficials to to be a little more inclusive football wise. Let them let them see the locker room. Let them you know tour the stadium. Let them let them see that part of it. Even let them meet with with coaches, as long as you know if you want to make it mandatory, mask required, safe distances, all that. But I think the 21 class really kind of got you know bent over when it comes to recruiting. Now the 2022 class, man, they're already up against it. There's going to be smaller scholarship numbers. You know we're we're already we're already seeing that, and to not allow these guys to visit, and I'll, obviously we talked about this before, it's going to hurt the coaches, the, co- the colleges, and the coaches who you know they can't go off campus to visit and. There's just so much evaluating where you have to see the kids in person. And I know kind of an, a segue for our later conversation, just talking quarterbacks, but it's so hard to evaluate just off of film without seeing a kid up close in person, getting a true height, weight, shaking the hand, you know, looking them in the eye, kind of just getting to know them a little bit. I think you're really missing out and probably going to find out in like five or 10 years, these 21 and 22 classes, there's going to probably be, probably be more misses in those two classes than the, the previous five combined.
1: Yeah, the, the thing is that these coaches, it's been about a year since they're able to see some of these prospects in person. And when you factor in evaluations and, and eyeballing a prospect and being able to see him and what he's able to do live, um, I, I know obviously a lot of recruits that signed in this twenty twenty one class that you know, were getting on campus. And that was the first time they'd ever even met the coach in person or or the first time that coach had ever seen a group of players uh, in, in person. So I think with 2022s and beyond, it becomes even more accentuated because the development physically, uh, the relationships that you've been able to build. And, and, you know, the I guess the last time that maybe some of these players were seen live in person was during their sophomore season. And that's a long time ago. And and that's a long, I guess period for for these prospects to change and so it, it is going to be very interesting and you mentioned quarterbacks is specifically I think it's ex- accelerating and, and it's making it speed up uh, even more for a, a certain coach or a certain staff to have to take a commitment early because they don't know who's going to be on the board if they wait a little further and that's what we're going to get into here in, in the second segment but wanted to get back to the Division 1 Council extending the recruiting dead period through the end of May uh, through all sports in, in Division 1 And and I'm interested to see how creative college staffs get, right? Because you mentioned it, uh, unofficial visits are still allowed. They have to be self-guided visits and they have to be obviously uh, without the contact of any any coaches. Have you ever been to Boston? Have you ever done the Freedom Trail in Boston?
0: I have not been to Boston.
1: So it's a it's about a two and a half to to three mile trek and you're following bricks that are lined up on the sidewalk. And it, there's a start point, there's an end point. And if you walk the whole length of it, it, it takes you a, a couple hours, right? Because you're stopping and it's, it's a tour, it's a guided thing. And it's, you know, it's taking you from the Boston tea party to, you know, the side of, uh, you know, a certain, a certain battle or, or whatever it may be. There's, there's different historical points that you hit on, on this trail and it's all outlined by a brick line on the sidewalk and you, you can't lose it. All you have to do is just stare down and you, you just keep walking and following that line. I'm interested to see if college staffs, knowing that the dead period has been extended, start to line up maybe a, a some sort of maze or, some, <laughs> you know what I mean? Some sort of, of uh, like a track for recruits to follow once they're on campus with instructions on what places to see.
0: Well, I mean, it, it, I'm not going to name names, obviously. I, I will not name names, Blair. So don't even, don't even ask for me to, to incriminate anybody. But no, just talking to players and even some parents who, who went on the trip. And I mentioned, hey, you know, I bet the trip would have been funner if you could actually went and set up facilities, right? And he goes, okay. And I was like, what do you mean, okay? He goes, no, what, what you just said. I go. Are you trying to tell me something here? And, and <laughs> like, well, you know, all the gates were open and the doors were open, and we were told just to kind of walk around. And it just so happened that we ended up in the weight room. Now, some <laughs> of these
1: places are public, right? So they they are able to uh, have the the doors unlocked. I remember uh, when I was in in high school and I went out to UCLA for a visit. I could just walk into Poly Pavilion like a normal person.
0: There you go. So there's there's really not no damage done. I I still think it's it's funny because you know they're they're really sensitive about even some schools I, I've heard, you know, while you're touring the campus, they'll be FaceTiming and some people are like, Hey, um, please don't report that. Cause they weren't sure if we're allowed to even FaceTime with them while they're on campus. You know, we're trying to tell them what the hot spots are. And another, another kid mentioned that he was, you know, a coach, you know, walked up and was, you know, a good 10 feet away and was facing the opposite direction, but have a conversation with him. So it looked like he wasn't talking to him, but he was talking to him, and just kind of doing the whole "Hey, I hope you like it here, and uh, you know we really want you." Blah blah blah. So I'm not—I'm sure these rules and and whatever they'll bend them a, a little bit, some more than others, as we already know, right? But you know, I, I still think it'd be fun to not have to even you know kind of go covert and just allow the kids to walk walk around, just go go check out the stuff, see if they like it, and you know, maybe even talk to a coach or two. I just, I don't see a lot of damage that could, that can be done. You know, everyone's again, including every you know, everyone's safe and you're, you're tested. If you're, you know, positive, which I just got my test today, Blair, I'm negative. So I'm good to go this weekend to Vegas. It, as long as you're, you're, you know, you're good to go. You're healthy. If you're not, you're, you wouldn't be on campus, right? So just allow the little interaction. I think that'll be huge. And again, like we said before, you, you mentioned just How many of these players have these coaches not seen in a couple of years? I just imagine the shock on the first day of, you know, when these guys freshman report, how many coaches are going to be like, wait, the, this is the guy we offered wait this is the guy who's supposed to be 6'1 180 he's 5'9 you know 140 i I guarantee there's gonna be so many and every single campus they're gonna be saying that is not the guy that we thought we're bringing in he's off by two inches and 20 pounds every campus will have a school a story like that
1: we're joined by 39 year old covid negative greg biggins he's a national recruiting analyst for 24 7 sports you can follow him on twitter at greg biggins another dimension greg that i think is is gonna be pretty popular with recruits when you're talking about trying to get creative during a day period it is going to be the the recruit led event you know we saw it with the sooner summit Caleb mm-hmm. Williams the five-star quarterback organized some sort of event where a bunch of prospects were able to get to Norman and, and and do a lot of things together and experience that trip together you know the Buckeye bash USC had the the fight on fiesta as we called it with hey, Miller Moss leading a lot of those guys I think that's going to be something very key for the prospects that are already committed that are trying to build their class up this spring
0: no, 100%. And the the kind of common theme in all those cases, same thing, LSU had a big one with Garrett Nussmeier. It's the quarterbacks who all are kind of the ringleaders. And that's why I think when you're recruiting, it's so good to have a quarterback who's not just gifted, but someone who kind of has that leadership and who's going to be the guy that, you know, organize these off-campus events and, and do whatever. You know, Caleb was huge. Nussmeier, Miller Moss. Um, I want to say... I think Georgia did one as well. Corey Foreman went to that one, Mason Smith, and, and all, all those. I, I think we're going to see those definitely happen, whether it be on campus, whether it be off campus, but just a, a cool way of getting everybody together and, and walking around and, and just getting a vibe and a feel for what it would be like if you actually were on campus as a regular student.
1: I love the transition, Greg. We're going to talk quarterbacks here on the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast right after this break. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Welcome back to the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. I'm your host, Blair Angulo. Before we get back to Greg Biggins and to discuss some of the quarterback dominoes across the country, let me tell you about the College Football Daily with Trey Scott as well as the Late Kick with Josh Pate. Those are two other podcasts on the 24-7 Sports Network. Make sure you rate and subscribe wherever you find your podcasts. Greg, quarterbacks. We had a big one out in Southern California commit to Texas. Malik Murphy out of Gardena Coach Steve Sarkeesian, And goes back to his stomping grounds to get a quarterback even though he had some in his backyard and had very little time to start settling in on on his choice after arriving from Alabama Uh, this is going to be a very fascinating one to monitor not only in this cycle but I think in the next few years this could be very
0: controversial for our friend coach Sarg if it does not work out and I'm a big Malik fan as you know Everybody on our recruiting calls knows, but the reality is he has not played football. We didn't have a fall season in California, and as a sophomore, uh, he was kind of rotating it in with another quarterback, an upperclassman, and then he hurt his shoulder. I think he only threw like 50 balls as a sophomore. So he's going to you know, hopefully have a big senior year, and, and, and that'll be great. But I think development for a quarterback is so big, and you're looking at the state of Texas right now. And the number one player, number one quarterback in the country is, is Quinn Ewers, committed to Ohio State. But originally he was committed to Texas and the second Sark got hired, I know for a fact there's a lot of fans on both sides, Texas and Ohio State. They're kind of, you know, sweating on one side if you're a Buckeye, and kind of excited if you're a Texas fan, saying, "Hey, can we get back in with Quinn?" Obviously, the, the whole idea of bringing Stark in is he's, you know, this offensive mastermind who's great with quarterbacks. I mean, he made made Mac Jones into a potential late first rounder. No one would have thought that was possible maybe a year ago. So there was definitely some some concern if you were a Buckeye fan, saying, "Hey, can we hold on to Quinn?" You know, here's this guy. You know, he's they got a chance. You know, after having our quarterback meeting today, Connor Wiegman might be our number two guy. I think right now he's number eight, but he grew up a Texas fan and Texas didn't really, when Sarr came in, didn't really show him a ton of love. He committed to A&M and, You know, another guy that we uh, love, Kate Klubnik. He is from Austin, Blair. Do you know how close Austin is to the University of Texas? It's like a (laughs) rose, a rock throw away. Westlake High School, a guy who put up huge numbers and beat North Shore last year, right? No one does that. So another guy who, right there, so... Sark pivots and instead of those three in-state guys that are all very good with all Texas ties decides to get a guy from California who's thrown 50 balls and is very much an unknown and for me it was a risk I like it because I like Malik but I could definitely see a scenario where man if if Malik doesn't pan out the way we all hope he does and one of those guys Klubnik or Wigman or Quinn and they just blow up and lead their team to, you know, a a playoff or even win a Heisman or something like we know Quinn can, it's going to be a lot of second guessing. So like you said, man, it's fascinating. It's going to be fun to watch over the next three or four years, how those dominoes play out.
1: Now there is a lot to like about Malik Murphy. You know, unproven, yes, and, and you know, obviously that's out of his control. It's not his fault that he hasn't had a junior season, and, and obviously had that injury as a sophomore. But whenever we've seen him, you realize why he's so highly regarded, right? It physically looks like a baby Cam Newton. He's got a big arm. He could fall forward while he's carrying the football and essentially pick up three or four yards for you. Like his his pocket awareness and his presence. Um, and his mobility in the pocket is very nice as well, and still a lot to learn. And 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 at times struggles to put touch on the ball when he needs to. I think he tries to to fire it in there a bit, kind of like Cam Newton would, uh, even at the professional level. But I think there's a lot to to work there. And when Sark saw that, and we're talking about a five star quarterback from California, uh, you know, it's a hotbed in that regard as well. It was a, it was a situation where I think he probably could. And pass that up and now you factor in the fact that the recruiting dead period has been extended now you have a quarterback in your back pocket that you could start to pitch to other recruits about
0: yeah no doubt and i you know we were both there at the steve clarkson retreat when malik was a, a freshman i don't know if you if you were still there for the long ball competition when he beat all the college guys and all the high school kids including dj umi under who has one of the strongest arms to ever come out of california
1: and trevor and Lawrence a was
0: yeah there were there some big arms in, in the college ranks, too. Tua
1: tango at the time was there.
0: Yeah. Trevor um, Lawrence. Um, I think there some bigger, some bigger arms. I think Philippe Franks was the guy who I think yeah. was second. And 72 yards for a freshman. And he made it look effortless. So he's got the arm strength. Kid who had a college body as an eighth grader. There's so much to like about him. N- n- number one, I mean, this doesn't really matter, but he's a great kid. And, you know, that, that, that does matter, actually. I think character counts. You know, he's had opportunities to, to transfer out and go to other high schools. But, you know, he was loyal and he loved Sarah High School. He said that was always the school he wanted to go to because Dory Jackson went there and Robert Woods went there. He goes, I want to go play at Sarah High School. And so it hasn't worked out great for him in terms of, you know, freshman year and sophomore year. Kind of had to rotate a little bit, but he is definitely gifted. Uh, I'll tell you what, from having watched a lot of Cam Newton in high school um, from my Nike camp days, Malik is much further along from a pure throwing standpoint than Cam Newton was. Cam was very much 50-50 and struggled at a lot of the events that we saw him at. Malik, I think he's got a pure stroke done a nice job in the last year, kind of tightening that release used to be a little bit long. Now he's kind of tightened up a little bit. I thought he had a really good elite 11 camp in November. I thought he was accurate. Um, I thought his, like I said, ball was really spins it. Well, the ball came out tight. I, I thought, you know, a lot of the shorter stuff, if he's going to struggle, it'll be with the little, the shorter stuff, The stuff down the field though, man, he has got a cannon. So he puts that with no windup necessary makes every throw natural leader. He's a tough kid. And and I think he is definitely going to help when it comes to recruiting in the, the Southern California slash West coast area. But again, there's going to be Texas fans that are going to say, Hey, we don't need to go to California. Right. It's that, that's that pride that Texas has as much pride as anywhere. They to say, Hey, we don't need, you know, to go to California. We have everything you need right here in state. We either go for an in-state guy and, and allow all the in-state Texas kids to be attracted to him versus trying to get some California guys that you never know what's going to happen. Obviously, Texas fans are probably still a little, you know, sore about the Bru McCoy situation, you know, committing and flipping back to SC, but Hope it works out because I I like Malik as a person and I'm rooting for him and, and I like Sark and I want him to go there and I and honestly I think when Malik does get there he's not going to need to play right away they're going to have some you know some experience they're going to have some depth I think Malik you you're redshirt him no matter what allow him to learn the system get up to speed figure things out and then by his redshirt you know freshman sophomore year you know he's ready to go and you look at the package if he hits his ceiling that's what I'm saying with all these guys for me Quinn Ewers is really good but. You know, as we talked about today, Blair, two through 10, not a lot of separation. They're all very similar. Whoever's going to be the best, two through 10 is going to be based on, you know, who can stay healthy, the scheme, the talent around you, all that kind of stuff. And I think if Malik hits his ceiling, maximizes his potential, he is as gifted as any quarterback in the class. So, uh, you know, ho- hopefully Sark can develop that. And, and we'll, again, I'm, I can't wait to watch it.
1: Yeah. Keeping my fingers crossed that we get a, a traditional. Quarterback competition, whether that be at the Elite Eleven or or at some sort of All American game, where we're able to stack up all these guys and and really see where they line up compared to each other. Greg, before we let you go, there's other quarterback dominoes that you know this you know kind of creates a ripple effect with. Uh, there were some schools that missed out on Malik Murphy that now have to turn the page and and look elsewhere. Uh, and then there's also another product from Southern California who's now at IMG Academy. That would be AJ Duffy, a, a four star quarterback um and a really talented player in in his own regard what's the latest there on both of those fronts
0: yeah so talk about dominoes you know UCLA is is a school that was a leader for Malik you know and he even told me after the fact that yeah UCLA you know his, his mom works at the hospital on campus so I mean he grew up you know really liking UCLA a lot and UCLA struggled for a while to recruit a really elite elite quarterback and Malik would have been huge for them now, if you're looking for where they pivot, I could see them going on Justin Martin, who is already committed as well. He's going to Cal, but UCLA is Justin's dream school. And I think, I don't think I know, Justin told me a reason why he commits so early to Cal was because he thought Malik was going to UCLA and he didn't want to wait around. At that time, the, the, you know, Malik was pretty consistent saying, oh, I'm going to take my trips. I don't see myself committing until like you know maybe May, June, July. So Justin jumps on the Cal offer and then all of a sudden Malik commits just a, a week ago. And I think if UCLA circles back to Justin and explains, hey, you know, we like you, you know, we want you to be here, does the whole recruiting speech, I think they would have a really good chance to get Justin and all of a sudden now Cal has to go out and, and get a quarterback if Justin, you know, indeed flips to UCLA, which I'm not guaranteeing, I'm just saying I think it's a possibility. And then AJ Duffy came out with a, a top four. And at the top of my head, um, I'm going to try to remember. That. I don't have it in front of me, but I know there was Florida State. I want to say there was Penn State. There was Oregon. And who was the fourth? Was it like Michigan State, maybe? But interesting thing with, with AJ, who, as you mentioned, now at IMG, you know, all the crystal ball predictions are for Arizona State. And so now you know, we kind of have to you know analyze, okay, so did, did Arizona State go from leading to, to falling out of his top four or – Is AJ just kind of one of those guys? And I I do know him well. Likes to have a little fun. Likes to maybe build some suspense. Likes to keep people guessing. Uh, Is ASU still in there? But he doesn't want to give all the answers away to the test, right? He wants to kind of, you know, keep people on the edge of their seat wondering, okay, is ASU out? Are they in? So for me, as of right now, I still have my crystal ball on the Sun Devils. But yeah, as of right now, they did not make his top four that he tweeted out. He is going to come in on on March 31st. There's a significance I, that might be his sister's birthday or some something like that. But March 31st, he'll make his commitments. And my crystal ball is still with the Sun Devils. But we'll, we'll, we'll see if I need to change that between now and then. And uh, we'll see if AJ was kind of just pulling our leg or if he really does have interest in four other schools more so than ASU.
1: Yeah, potentially trying to throw off uh, people off the scent. Uh, on the crystal ball. He's got Florida State, Michigan State, Penn State, and Oregon as the four schools, uh, even though ASU is is considered right now the leader. Greg, it's been a pleasure. Have fun in Vegas and uh, can't wait to to do this again. Sounds good. Thanks, Blair. All right. That is Greg Biggins, National Recruiting Analyst for 24-7 Sports. For Greg Biggins, I am Blair Angulo. Thank you so much for tuning in to the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast.